Then Jesus cried aloud, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge, for I have not spoken on my own. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. Well, it's July, we're halfway through the year, and so, as is our typical pattern, we are back in the month of July to our theme for the year, and our theme is? Our theme is? Our theme is? Loving! Thank you very much. We have our theme of the year, and it's, it's our intention to grow in that particular attribute of the faith. And this year, we have put before us this idea that we are to be people who love God and love ourselves and then love our neighbor as ourselves in all that we do, that love, the great commandment, is the thing of the Christian faith that we've got to get right. If we don't get love, which Jesus commanded us, right, we're going to have a hard time getting the rest of the gospel right. It all begins with that lesson to learn how to love. And so here in John chapter 12, you might be like, well, what does that have to do about with love? I'm like, wait a minute and I'll show you. Just stay with me for the ride because this end of chapter 12 is sort of a summary statement of actually chapters 5 through 12 in the Gospel of John. And in this summary statement, what we're getting is that Jesus is light and life, that Jesus is one with the Father, with God, and that what Jesus speaks is God's word, that there is this relationship that says, I am the one, and what I say comes directly from God. Now, that's important because if Jesus is saying things, if Jesus is showing us things, we darn well ought to pay attention because, in fact, he says, Though I, I'm not judging. I came to say, the word that you have been given Will, will be the judge. The word and God's command, which Jesus tells us, is to love the Lord our God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's going to be our judge. It's as if to say, okay, here's you were told this. Did you love? That's it. I don't have to judge you because the word itself is already there. You know what the standard is. You know what the, the measuring tape is love. That's it. 
That's what, that's what this is saying. But if we track back, I think it's important to see, you see, uh, uh, writers, I don't know, we don't have anybody in here who's a writer, but they have this phrase, show, don't tell. Show, don't tell, meaning, you know, have a story. Don't just say, and this happened and that happened. And Jesus shows, as well as tells, he's doing things. He's acting in ways that are showing us exactly what he's trying to teach us if we're paying attention. So you go first, those who have their Bibles open. Though, if you go to chapter 5, the first thing that you're going to find there is that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Whoops, Jesus just broke the rules. Whoops, Jesus himself, they're going to point fingers and say, you're the sinner, what are you doing? You can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, you know what? Life and the fullness of life is way more important. Then the next thing you get to is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Then the next thing you get to is chapter 8 and uh, the woman who is caught in adultery, and Jesus says, no, don't stone her. And then you get Jesus doing another healing of a man born blind, and then you get Jesus raising Lazarus to life before you get to this summary statement. Now, what's interesting about all of these stories or healings or moments is that Jesus doesn't have very much to say about sin. In fact, in almost all of these, Jesus is actually pushing back against the category of sin. It is not his real concern, which makes me wonder if the church has a sin problem. And what I mean by that is not that, oh my goodness, we're all sinning. Well, of course we are. That's what you are, human beings. What I mean is maybe too many times the church is too focused on sin such that it can't focus on love. Now listen, you know, in that first story about him healing on the Sabbath, he is not concerned about sin. He is concerned about the life of this person. In fact, he says, you know, they're like, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. And he's like, what's more important, a rule or the life of this man? And, you know, in that case, Jesus actually turns himself into the sinner. Did you ever think about that? Because he broke the rule. Then... When you get to the feeding of the 5,000, have you ever thought about this? Jesus doesn't ask, hey, are some of these people sinners who really are unworthy of receiving? He does not. He simply says, let's get food for everybody and feed them. Everybody is worthy. And in fact, then Jesus is going to make this comparison where he says, I am the bread of heaven. Here is the bread of heaven. All are welcome. Oh, Jesus isn't saying, you don't get to eat, you don't get to eat. If you, if you confess, you get to eat. Nope, Jesus says, you're hungry, y'all get to eat. That's who he is. He's giving life. He's shedding light. 
Then you get to the story of uh, the woman caught in adultery. Really interesting because you have to ask, the man caught in adultery, is he holding a stone? Where is he? But Jesus doesn't ask her about what she's done. Jesus doesn't say to the woman, confess your sins. What Jesus does is he turns to all those who are judging her and says, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And all of them walk away. And then he says to the woman, basically, now, don't sin anymore. You know what's good. You know what to do and what not to do. And I'm not always going to be here to protect you. So go off and do the right thing, knowing that I love you and I care for you. Then you get to the guy who was born blind. And what happens now is the religious authorities, what do they say? They say, uh, Jesus, who sinned? He, him or his parents? And Jesus says, this isn't about sin at all. This is what he says. He says, this is about the glory of God. He, he heals the man and he's no longer blind. Jesus says it's not sin at all. You say it's sin? Nope, it is not. I'm here to give life and love. And then he, the greatest act of love of all is to raise Lazarus as if to say, you know what? All of you are welcome to have life. That's what I'm offering. Jesus isn't worried about sin. That is not his first concern. And why we're always wrapped up in sin is a question we really have to ask ourselves. Is that God's concern or is it our concern? You see, when Jesus says, I came not to judge but to save, Jesus is saying, I came not to point fingers. I came not to call out what you're doing wrong. I came to heal and make whole and make complete and bring life in that abundance. And we human beings seem to be the ones who are always creating these categories of sinfulness and pointing fingers. Think about it. Does Jesus anywhere say, well, I know what, what, where you were raised, does Jesus say, don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance? No, Jesus never, where did that come from, human beings? You see, we make rules, we make things all the time. When we don't agree with someone, we're, we're uncomfortable with someone, when we uh, don't understand something, we want to keep it at arm's length. So we make things and we call them sinful. We call other people sinful. You know, we don't call anything in the universe but other people sinful. You ever think about that? Humans making categories around human beings to be able to, almost to control things. Isn't that what's happening in the first century? You have a rash and I'm afraid of your rash. You must ascend and you need to go away. Follow me? There are these ways that we create, you know, for a long time, uh, uh, people of color. We're, we don't know you. We're afraid of you. You must be sinful. Women, we, we don't, we're not sure about you. You're, no, 
No, we're, we're, you, you, you're simple too. And we're doing that now with sexuality, right? We're going to create categories, what's good, what's bad, what's simple. We're going to put people to the side. And this is historically not what God does. It's what we do. Now, in some ways, friends, it's how our brains work. We have brains that create categories and sort of judge. Uh, and most of the time, it's good. Think about this. When you walk into a cheesecake factory and the menu is 108 pages long with 10,012 different entrees, you already have in your mind categories of what you like and what you don't. And therefore, you can, you can reduce it to about 2,000 options. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've been to Cheesecake Factory. You know what I'm talking about. And, and that's how our brain works. But unfortunately, when we begin to do that in a us versus them in terms of people, that's when we get into judging. And when Jesus says, I don't come to judge, why are we judging? Why do we begin to judge others rather than to love, which is what we are called to do? That is the commandment. That is the word against which we will be measured, not how well we've judged people, not how well we've pointed out sin, but simply how well we have loved. That's it. That's the thing we've got to learn. It's almost as if our lives and the way we are raised and the societies we live in push us to decide categories. You know, uh, most of you know I was uh, up in the mountains for a week. Uh, I love the mountains because it's like being right there, like sitting at God's feet. And uh, I like to hike. A lot and I've been hiking those trails for 25 years and 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 often I hike it alone and people say oh aren't you scared to hike alone and I'm like well first of all you know am I afraid of wild animals I've never seen a dangerous animal and I have some idea what I would do if I did and if not have me bear whatever <laughs> secondly secondly you know, if you've hiked for any length of time, you know to be prepared, be a Boy Scout. You know, you take your rain gear, you take an extra layer in case it gets cold. You, you know, you have food, you have water, you're prepared and you anticipate if something might occur while you're on the trail. And then someone said to me right before I went, but aren't you afraid of the people? Like some weirdo is going to drive for five hours to a trail when you could just be a weirdo five hours without driving, you know? I mean, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, there are a lot of scary people who are going to attack me on a trail at 9,000 feet. You know, uh, in fact, over 25 years, I can say there's only one time I've ever encountered someone on the trail who felt a little off, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hurry on and keep on going. Because most of the time, if I'm coming down the trail and I run into people coming up the trail, 
we stop and chat. Like, hey, hey. And they're like, how far did you go? And I'm like, are you going to the lake? And then we have a little chat. And they're like, uh, uh, have you been on the, yes. Can you tell us what's up ahead? Oh, yeah, it gets steep and then the meadow and then switchbacks. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I met a guy on Friday who actually has to hike up a, 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 a mile up, and it's a very steep trail, the first mile, to get to the cabin he lives in year-round. And I thought, my goodness, who lives in a cabin year-round and has to hike to get there to and from the cabin? Every, I mean, his car is like parked two miles away. And yet he was a delightful guy. You know, I've met students on the trail. I've met all kinds of people on the trail. And I have to stop and ask myself, why is it that when you're hiking a trail, everybody's your friend? You stop and chat with everybody. And you know what? If, if I were uh, in, in Penn Square Mall and I said, how far did you come? They'd be like, what kind of weirdo are you? Or if I said, hey, what's up ahead over there? They'd be like, ladies, there's something wrong with this lady. But you know what? I think that when you're on a trail, your commonalities are so strong. We all, uh, we want to be outside. We want to enjoy the beauty of nature. We're hiking. And all those other things that we would normally judge, they just go by the side. We don't care about them. You know, uh, walking down the street, you're looking at what someone's wearing. You're thinking, oh, I don't know who you are. You're young, you're old, you're weird, you're whatever. It says something to me about how we ought to be living every day. Because you're not going to ask people, how many laps around the mall have you done? But you can smile at them. How many times when you're in the mall or you're somewhere, do you just smile at people? That in itself could make a huge difference in somebody's day. And we, instead, we get ourselves in these boxes where we're like, eh, no, we're not supposed to. Just smile. Give that little bit of love to someone else, and you might be surprised the way people respond to you. Jesus tells us that he did not come to judge. He doesn't care what we've done in the past. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. We may hold on to it for our own lives and think God will never forgive us, or we may continue to point at someone else's sin, but Jesus says, nope, I came to give, give life, and you just need to receive it, or you're going to receive from me the life and the love that I offer. People of God, I, I really think it's pretty easy. Lead with love, lead with kindness, lead with compassion, and everything else will fall into place. That's what Jesus teaches. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.